0: Welcome back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. It is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. And as always, I'm Isaac. And I'm Will. And the Browns are bad at football. Is my opening... Confirmed. Th- <laughs> That's my opening statement. The Browns right now are sitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. Their Vegas win total over-under was 9, I believe. 9 or 10. Um, so... They've underperformed their Vegas odds this year by a considerable margin. And if you look back at their schedule, it's not as though they've played the better teams on their schedule, particularly competitively, right? You look at their schedule and they've played some good teams. They've also played the Texans, they've played the Bears, they've played uh, the Lions, they've played some poorer teams. But when they had to play the Cardinals, they got boat raced. When they had to play the Patriots, they lost pretty handily. You look at the Chiefs game, they self-destructed in the second half. You look at the Chargers game, a similar outcome. And um, you're you're playing against a team right now that's on an interim head coach. The objectively best player on that team is on the sideline. And they're dealing with some dysfunction in the wake of the Henry Ruggs news. So this is not a franchise nor a team this week that is bound for playoff success uh, in the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and I get that Nick Mullins was the starting quarterback and the Browns were still riddled with COVID, but that game was very winnable in multiple ways.
1: Um, all you had to do was get a first down. Right. And that's that's, that's all that had to happen.
0: It's funny how whole seasons come down to single drives and single series. Um, but I think in the two series on offense and defense where it mattered most, the Browns got conservative and played not to lose. Um, they were up. For those of you that didn't watch the game, Nick Mullins, as much as I was dogging on him in the first half of the game and during halftime, he led a very important drive in the fourth quarter uh, and converted a fourth and five to give the Browns a late 14 to 13 win with three and a half minutes left, maybe four lead. minutes left. Lead, not a win. No win. <laughs> yeah, pardon me, excuse me. 14, 13 lead. Um, and you look at your quarterback depth chart and you say, if we're winning the game, with three minutes left in the fourth quarter on our third string quarterback, this game is incredibly winnable. Um, And Derek Carr threw an interception. And the next series on offense, the Browns, having just completed an 80-yard drive, you know, where you're throwing the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins and David Njoku, um, to move the ball pretty efficiently, um, you ran off a tackle three times to the right side or twice to the right side, once to the left side. Um, Some of the most predictable play calling to uh, eliminate the, uh, the timeouts of the Raiders. Like I get that that's a strategy and and whatnot, but.
1: um, A completed pass does, does just the same.
0: I I agree. And so (laughs) you got conservative there and then you punt the ball and then on defense, you get conservative again. You, you start protecting the boundaries, but you give up 15 yards over the middle of the field. I I, yeah. I wholeheartedly disagree with that as well. You can't give a quarterback that well, I would say Derek Carr is above league average. I wouldn't call him a Rogers or a Brady, but he's he's paid his nickel in the league. He's he's been around the block. If you give a veteran quarterback a minute and a half to get into field goal range, odds are he does it. I mean
1: with a with a good kicker. It's not like he had to get uh, to the to the 20, the 25. Yeah, yeah. Like Carlson's, Carlson's a good, good kicker. kicker.
0: And um you give a quarterback that's competent enough time to move the ball, he'll be able to do it. And so it's funny how whole seasons can come down to single drives, but, um, or single series. And I think the Browns had chances to win the game late twice, uh, and couldn't execute Mm -hmm. on either.
1: Yeah. My, my main problem though, it kind (sighs) of lies with Joe Woods.
0: Yeah. Um, Sorry that's him, so I'm muted. <laughs> no, it's cool. I give I give Joe Woods a the benefit of the doubt a little bit because he's schemed very well against the Baltimore Ravens. And if you look at you know the game as a whole, if you didn't watch the game and you look at a box score, you think Derek Card, QBR of like 84, um your defense allowed 16 points, one touchdown, or yeah, one touchdown, three field goals. You look at that and you say that's pretty efficient red zone defense. You'd take that most days of the week, but um, Joe Woods put the Browns in a position to win for the majority of the game. And that was because he was sending a lot of pressure off the edge. Admittedly, Tack McKinley goes down with an Achilles injury, but um, you still have a defensive front that can disrupt an offensive line that is bottom third in the league. Instead, you rush four. You don't bring any extra blitzes or any extra um, special pressures. You uh, let Derek Carr have three to four seconds in the pocket instead of you know, one and a half to two and a half, and he can pick you apart because he is an accurate thrower of the football. Um, it was the only drive, that whole defense, where they didn't get pressure on the quarterback at all. They, they let him throw the ball over the middle of the field and um, he was content with taking time off the clock in exchange for field position. I didn't like that. It's again, playing not to lose. And yep, you, put the, you put the game in the, in the hands of a kicker that has this year gone 30 for 33. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. The odds aren't in your favor when you do that. Uh, my main problem though, is the, like I, I get, you know, cover the boundaries only rush for, you know, that's fine. If, if you're going to play up on them, up on the receivers. You can't do that and then allow 10, 15 yards of space between your closest defenders in the line of scrimmage. I mean, you can't just sit back in a zone like that and just let them march down the field. A a quarterback like Derek Carr. And I know you touched on this. He will pick that apart all day and he will take that field position. And it doesn't matter how much time runs off the clock because you're just going to give them that same thing. The next play, Uh, it doesn't matter if they spike the ball because they're just going to get a first down on the next play. Um, it's Joe Woods, just man, like it's,
0: it's just situational football. That was
1: even that was just play cover two man and you, yeah. and, and you shut them down. But that was
0: an important drive. And it's bizarre because that whole night, aside from the first drive that the Raiders had, which, and, and as we all know, the first drive of either team is always scripted, you know, theoretically your first eight plays, you, you know, that going into the game, So the first drive always looks a little bit more refined and sharp. That's when the Raiders scored a touchdown early in the first quarter. They did not get into a position like they didn't have a drive like that for the rest of the game until the two minute drill. I mean, it's one thing to say we're on a third string quarterback without Jarvis Landry, without both starting tackles, without Austin Hooper, without Kareem Hunt, um, Without Anthony Schwartz, it's one thing to say we're limited on offense. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to take the field position advantage when we get it because we're realistic with our expectations. However, the defense had been winning all game. The defense was winning the line of scrimmage all game. And you abandoned it in the most important drive. And I don't want to put it all on Joe Woods again because a lot of things could have gone better in that game so that it wasn't a one possession like it wasn't a defensive stand that needed you to that needed to win the game for you if you had converted the first down on the previous drive um if you had made your field goal there's a lot of things that you could have done to put points on the board and keep points off the board that didn't happen so it's not all on Joe Woods, but situational football was really, really difficult to watch last night, and that's kind of been the embodiment of the Browns franchise. And I don't want to be Mister Big Picture, but um, this is this is uh, I, I'm a, I'm offering a referendum on Kevin Stefanski. There there is a crowd on Twitter.com that is saying that Kevin Stefanski is not, you know, inappropriate coordinator coach to be calling plays um
1: he looked a lot better than they yes I agree. last agree and so.
0: if nothing else i hope this game put that to bed i think kevin stefanski as much as i have been annoyed in the past where he's gone for and on fourth and two and baker's gotten sacked instead of kicking a field goal i think kevin stefanski would have thrown the ball with nick mullins um i think that would have happened but again that's He wasn't there. You can't assume that, but the one point of consistency is Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt largely has been a fine offensive coordinator. I think that's a role he excels in um, instead of a play caller. And, and that's fine. And um, Joe Woods, again, he has been, he's been good this year. He has been bad situationally. So, um, I don't know. There's, there have been a lot of go either way games this year that the Browns have been on the wrong side of about three times.
1: Yeah. And no uh, doubt. I mean, we could just as easily probably be 10 and four right now. Um, that's true. And that's just, that's just thinking off the top of my head, that Raiders game, uh, the Steelers game and that first Ravens game, uh, all three of those games could have been won, And that's not even to Chargers talk Chiefs. about, you know, Chargers, Chiefs, some of those earlier games. I mean, the Browns could easily be, you know, atop the AFC North by a wide margin. But, you know, just to kind of put this into perspective, I think it's, it's weird. Um, I, this came to me when we were just talking about this. Um, we're 7-7 seven and seven right now. And as Browns fans, we're disappointed. That's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> you yeah, would have no. told me that in, in 2016, 2017, literally any year since the time I was born. Two now, that we're seven and seven and disappointed, I probably would have laughed you out of the out of the building. Um. Yeah,
0: I agree. And and the crazy thing is, this is a historically competitive AFC this year. Uh, I would say the NFC is a little more top heavy. The NFC has yeah. more Super Bowl caliber Super Bowl group teams. The AFC has much more talent distribution. Um the amount of eight and six and seven and seven right now in the AFC is crazy. And, and that just speaks to the fact that um anybody can beat anybody. I get that, but yeah, I don't know. The the team went in with higher expectations than finishing um what will be probably eight and nine or nine and eight. Um because you look at the last three, you've got Aaron Rodgers at home who's playing for a first-round bye. They will land on
1: short rest
0: uh, on short, rest, <laughs> which again, I was grateful that they moved the game. I was very grateful for it because I thought it gave the Browns a better chance to win. Had I known they were going to lose, I would have said trot the guys out there on Saturday, um, yeah. obviously, but on short rest, Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau, they're playing for a buy. The Browns will lose that game. I don't Aaron know. What the line will is. will
1: set the record.
0: Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what the, uh, the line is, but Rogers and the, I would take the the Packers to cover. I bet it's probably five and a half. If I had to guess, maybe six and a half. F- five and a half sounds right. Um, let me look it up because I'm curious.
1: Um, I mean, stranger things have happened, especially this year. I mean, just look—the Cardinals just got demolished by the lowly Lions. No, no, um, anything
0: can happen. You're very correct.
1: So um, I'm I'm not going to hold out a ton of hope for the game on Saturday, but it's seven and a half. But I'm not going to say it's it's gonna you know be a blowout
0: so you chalk that one up as a loss it's a seven and a half point spread um maybe browns cover that with a a 30 second last minute field goal or
1: garbage time touchdown
0: where you set up an onside kick that you don't get so the browns lose that game they then go to pittsburgh and this is Big Ben's last game in Heinz Field. That ben, will be, he's going to
1: go out on a very low That game. will I'm be the say.
0: loudest that Heinz Field has been in the last decade. Um, that'll be a big game for the Steelers. I don't anticipate the Browns winning that one. Their history has not demonstrated that that's normally a winnable game for the Browns situationally this late in the season. And then they end the season at home against the Bengals, who I think they can beat just because bakers had historical success against the bengal's he's like 7 and 1 6 and 1 right now against against the bengal's but um it doesn't look good for a winning season this year you ask the browns to to win two of those last three games and that's a tall order it's a very tall order
1: i think i think we could grind it out against the steelers i really do
0: we'll see um but yeah it's just it's tough. The Browns' playoff chances right now, according to like ESPN's FPI, are about twenty percent. Um, yeah, makes sense. Had they, had they won the game, they would have been over fifty percent. So, and a game that really did define the season. I thought it was a poor showing, and again, third string quarterback. I get that. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation. It's COVID, but every team's had to deal with COVID in some respect. Um, Rogers was out and Jordan Love lost that football game. All of Aaron Rodgers' receivers were out, and he beat the Cardinals. And and so every team's dealt with COVID. Every team's dealt with injuries. The Ravens are on their backup quarterback and backup defense and came within another failed two-point conversion of beating the Packers. So every team's dealt with injuries and backups. Um, but to put up 13 points against, or 14 points against, A mediocre defense is unfortunate to see, but it is what it is. Um, And with all this frustration, I will still be watching the Browns play on Christmas Day. So,
1: Yep, because that will be probably the first game I can watch start to finish this year. So (laughs) I will obviously be tuned in. Do I really want to ruin my Christmas? No. Um, So, Baker, I'm just going to say no pressure.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, here's what I do. Um, I bet on the Packers to cover. So, either um, the Browns win and my Christmas is great, or I win money and my Christmas is still great because now I can actually buy my girlfriend a present. So,
1: well, if you you just (laughs) said you bet on the Packers to cover, I mean, the Packers can still win and not cover. Uh, So,
0: Packers' money line, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll rearrange my bets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, make it, gotta, gotta somehow make it a, a win win. (sighs)
0: <sighs> yeah but anyways um you know who's we're... not
1: in a win-win <laughs> is urban meyer <laughs> our no, old no. friend no
0: he's not uh urban meyer you know i texted one of my buddies uh the night when the news broke he's my freshman year roommate big chicago sports guy and uh, i texted him a photo of urban meyer hoisting the college football playoff trophy and I said, reminiscing about this, what a run. Absolutely nothing happened between then and now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny urban stuff. Meyer. I have a story like that as well. Like my buddy who's a Jags fan was text. He texted in a group chat. I'm in that day, probably three hours before the news broke. And he said, my friend and I are going to the Jags game this Sunday. And we're going to boo every time they show urban Meyer. And, uh, <laughs> Then the news broke, and I texted and I said, oh, I guess you can't boo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, here's the thing. Urban Meyer finished his tenure as an NFL head coach as, what, two and? Two and a lot. Two and 11, I think, was Something what it bad. technically was before this weekend's games. He was two and 11. Um, he won one game on U.S. soil. Uh, he somehow beat the Bills six to nine, so that was pretty cool. <laughs>
1: Um I yeah he I'm also still... did that's me a gonna... huge favor personally and uh might have ruined the career of Trevor Lawrence, which I like. Trevor <laughs> Lawrence sucks. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, but let's look back on his his time in Jacksonville and remark on all of his brilliant decisions. So he was hired, and I don't think it's a hot take to say that I think we all kind of predicted it would be a bumpy road, and that's kind of putting it lightly because His strength as a college football coach is in recruiting. He's a gifted Mm -hmm. recruiter. It's what he does well is accumulate talent. And when you have NFL linebackers that make more money than you, you can't pull that power trip anymore. Um, And so I think it was mildly doomed from the start. But you go into a situation with the most heralded quarterback prospect since Elway or Andrew Luck. Um, you'd think you'd have at least mild success, but that didn't happen. First off, he started by hiring that racist strength and conditioning (laughs) coach from Iowa. Remember that he was fired from Iowa because he was a, a racist in a sport that is predominantly black players. Not to say that racism is good in any setting, but, um, yeah, it's, it was a sign of poor judgment to start. That was a
1: bad one. Um, very tone deaf.
0: Yes, very toned down. He followed that uh, genius business decision by um, signing Tim Tebow as a tight end. That happened.
1: Um, That did happen.
0: It did happen. And I will say the marketing genius that Urban Meyer is, he owns a steakhouse here in Columbus. um, Tim Tebow was the NFL leader in jersey sales for, unironically, a month and a half, like for six to eight weeks. Jaguar Tebow jerseys were flying off the shelves because the evangelical Tebow belt down there in the South can't get enough of it. I'm sure you can speak to that.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm deep in the heart of, of Gator territory. Right. And, um, that was, it was pretty well received, <laughs> to say the so, least.
0: So you look at the Tebow situation, and they play the preseason games. He is not in NFL shape. He is the first player cut. In the NFL. Um, so you got that right, I guess. But in a on a team with no viable tight ends right now, he was the fifth string, fourth string tight end. That speaks to the lack of judgment in signing Tim Tebow. Uh, it brought in extra distraction, extra media. That's not something you want to do to a rookie quarterback that is being forced to start. Um,
1: yeah, on a team with very little talent around with, him. Yeah,
0: with no talent. Receivers that can't get any separation
1: Oh, you have a good running back, yeah. but Urban Meyer decides he's worthless.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of running backs, drafting one in the first round when you had James Robinson and signed Carlos Hyde. So you have your starter and your backup. I mean,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I I will never, ever, ever understand that move. And I don't know what they're going to do when, when Etienne comes back. It'll but be a good running I back, James, James. Don't get me wrong. James Robinson needs to be the horse there. He needs his 20, 25 touches a game. And because let's, let's be honest, I like Travis Etienne, but we don't know how he's going to perform uh, in the NFL. And, I mean, that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. No, I agree. And like James Robinson, but how are you, like, you going to draft a, a running back in the first round when James Robinson had, what, 1,300 yards last year? No, yeah, as for an, uh, sure. As an undrafted, undrafted rookie, so not he's not making. He's not making much. <laughs> and and
0: uh, throughout the league, you can see how important a good running back room is. Um, before Kareem Hunt kind of got hurt, the Browns had one of the best running attacks in football. Uh, the Broncos, Javante Williams, and Melvin Gordon have a good running back tandem. Having two viable running backs is important, but on a team like the Jaguars, that is just depleted for any talent across the board except for running back and maybe DJ Chark. Um, I thought doubling down on a position room that was already good uh, was a was a poor decision. So that's another notch under Urban Meyer's belt. Um, he made the comment midway through the season that, it's hard to coach in the NFL because everything, it, it feels like you're playing Alabama every week. Um, and it's almost like yeah. these guys get paid millions to play professional football. Yes.
1: He did say that. What a, what a shock. Yeah.
0: What a, what a surprise. Um, even the worst NFL team would beat any Nick Saban team by 40. So yeah, of course it's like playing Alabama. I would argue it's actually a little bit harder. Um, and in your 13 tries against Alabama this year, Urban, you went two for 11 or two and 11. So um
1: Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. That's bad.
0: And <laughs> he played the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Um, we all know Urban Meyer has a steakhouse here in Columbus. If I didn't mention already, Urban Meyer Steakhouse. Um, they lost to the Jesus, you sponsored or something. <laughs> they lost to the Cincinnati Football Bengals on a Thursday night. And instead of flying home with his team, because if I remember correctly, that was a competitive football game. Um. I don't remember the Jaguars losing by 20. I remember them losing by a score or a last second field goal. Something crazy happened. Uh, it was an emotional win and an emotional loss for the Jaguars. Instead of supporting his players and flying back with them, you know, as coaches do to get back and prepare for your next week's matchup on Friday. Uh, he gets caught in a bar with uh, someone that's not his wife. So that's, <laughs> it's not Shelly Meyer that was in those photos. So that's not good judgment, I don't think. Um, but again, I'm not speaking on the morality of his issues. Maybe he and Shelly worked out a deal or something. But uh, uh, as far as a football standpoint goes, like you're not flying back with your team that just lost. Like what kind of message does that send?
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, it, to sum it up, it, just, it was not a good look. Um just not in the slightest. And that's just another distraction for a team that was already riddled with them. Um, yeah,
0: a team that was not doing well. It it would be once, a different story if they were good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Once once that happened, not that not that they had really any shot this year, but after that incident, it was like, okay, I'll be surprised if they win another football game. Yeah. Because that's, that's just gonna it's just gonna hang around until until he's gone. And then yeah. when he's gone, that's another distraction, you know, uh, yeah, now they're
0: dealing with an interim head coach, Daryl Bevel, who is also not a, I mean, if you're getting hired as the offensive coordinator, as the Jaguars, that's probably like the 61st or 62nd, most sought after coordinator position in the NFL. Yeah. Right. So he's not in high rapport amongst NFL circles, but we'll get to that. Um, Anyways, I think when that whole Urban in the Bar story broke uh, in his steakhouse, I think that's when he kind of lost the locker room. Um, Yep. And in a league with grown men that have families to feed and money to be made, um, you can't be an egomaniac at head coach because players are going to bail on you. They're going to start playing uh their position in ways that they can you know defend when other teams go out and talk to them about getting another job uh they're not going to play for you they're going to start playing for themselves which i understand i get it and i kind of totally support it because if your coach isn't putting you in a position to succeed it's the onus is now being thrust on you to prove to other franchises that you're still a, a viable nfl player so um you lose the locker room. You start losing more and more games in a worse fashion. Sprinkle in there, somehow beating the Buffalo Bills. Um, and then recently, uh, a story came out that Urban Meyer kicked a kicker.
1: He kicked a kicker, yeah. He
0: kicked a kicker, right. And he kind of – the
1: tables have turned.
0: <laughs> he kind of <laughs> cussed him out, too, um, you can look up the quote if you want. I'm not going to say it here on the podcast because I did not register for the explicit warning on these shows. But, um, yeah, he he verbally assailed this kicker, essentially saying, make your kicks. Uh, and then he kicked the kicking leg of the kicker. Um, that's not good. Uh, that story mm-hmm. broke. And later that day, or maybe it was the day after, Shad Khan fired him in the middle of the night um, at like 1 a.m.
1: I was know? just getting home from work. I remember yeah. that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the news broke at 1 a.m. I think the thought process there was if we fire him late enough, no one will notice. It'll just <laughs> It'll just fly under the radar. If it's so late at night and we fire him, um, people are going to tune into SportsCenter. Their script has already been written. It'll just it'll be a passing segment. uh that's my theory.
1: it but. certainly did not turn out that way, <laughs> that's for sure. but <laughs> it needed to happen.
0: i think so it too. Is. i'm kind of surprised that he did not get the whole season.
1: um but i mean after all these in-season incidents, you can't you can't stick with him the whole year.
0: i i agree, there
1: would have been there would have been an issue and You know, I I don't like uh, Jim Harbaugh. I don't like him at all. I think he's not a very good coach. He's a good recruiter. Not a very good coach. Um, Doesn't seem like a great guy. Doesn't seem like a guy I'd want to sit down and have a beer with. (laughs) But, I mean, his his assessment of the situation does make sense. You know, Um, I don't know if you saw it. He said uh, Urban Meyer has been a good coach everywhere. But he's also caused problems everywhere too. Um, and you think back, like the way he left Florida and then went to Ohio State, what a year or two after that. Yep. Uh, after he medically retired. Right. Said he was done from coach done with coaching at Ohio State. And
0: after the whole ended up
1: with the Jags and yeah, all these problems. The,
0: yeah, the abuse problem, like the inner coach yeah. abuse problems. Yeah. Um, Oh, this was also, I forgot, this was a story that broke that was not confirmed, but about a week and a half ago, he brought all of his assistant coaches into his office and asked them to defend their resume and (laughs) called them all losers. He was a winner. Um, (laughs) I I just thought that was
1: crazy. Um, Imagine, imagine a head coach who was two and 11 saying, you guys are losers. I'm a winner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no. come on now
0: i agree um but you know who's to say urban meyer's tenure as the jaguars head coach is officially over
1: oh um and so should his coaching career in general
0: and the, the truth of it is for his uh, own good. one of these home run swings that head coach for these college football powers is not going to work And in two years he's going to be back in college football it's just my prediction but you know it is, it is really, what it urban is. meyer bad brown's bad um calves good Cavs are good
1: Cavs very good
0: uh, on a lighter note um their whole roster has covid but other than that right now i think what, not, is, what
1: is what is going on in cleveland
0: i don't know but jared allen evan mobley um isaac okoro lamar stevens and like the 11th man off the bench all have covid so yeah
1: not a good look.
0: No, they play tomorrow and they'll be the it'll be the COVID lineup, but the game after that, I bet that a lot of their stars and starters will be back. Um, but you look at this Cavs team and it's a very interesting kind of assortment of talent. They they start three seven footers. Larry Markinen's like seven two. And
1: He's the, he needs the small forward.
0: Yeah, he's a small forward. In a league that's been, you know, that has leaned more and more into three-point shooting, um, jump shot efficiency. The Cavs have gone totally counterculture. They've gone back to physical paint presence, defensive basketball. And I think it works because their defense, their, their twin towers on the block. Mobley and Jared Allen are both uh, top 10% def- post defenders in the league and um, they can make their outside shots when needed. Darius Garland is shooting at a very, very high percentage from three this year and their bench rotation credit to JB Bickerstaff has been incredible. Nothing short of uh, one of the best in the league. You look at Jetty Osman and Kevin Love, two of the best Um three and D players coming off of the bench and Lamar Stevens that offers a lot of athleticism at the wing position. So this Cavs roster makeup is unique. Um, No team starts a true center anymore, let alone two to three of them. Um, (laughs) And I would argue that the Cavs, the Cavs have a true point guard, a true center and a true power forward. And then they're kind of making it up at shooting guard and small forward, but it works because uh, Isaac Okoro on defense is incredible, and Lowry Markinen is another lengthy body in the middle that can block shots.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you see a lot of these NBA teams, you know, recently, they excel based on offense. Um, right. And the Cavs, let's be honest, the Cavs are just not that great on offense. I mean, they, they do enough. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it to them. They do enough but they only do enough on offense because their defense is light out. It's their defense, their so defense good.
0: creates turnovers and blocks and that leads to transition offense, you know, and, um,
1: hard to miss when you get sense. wide open layups and dunks. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's what makes their offense so fun to watch. Um, ball movement is quick because they're always coming off of a, a rebound or off of a block shot. Um, you probably save eight to 10 points on the glass, uh, from Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, blocking shots every game. Um, Isaac Okoro is a great on-ball defender, wing perimeter defender. So their defense is winning them games. I don't know how long they, it'll take them. I don't think it's fool's gold right now, um, given that the sample size is now over 30 games. Um, and with,
1: with the hardest strength of schedule in the NBA,
0: by the way. Right, and they're 19 and 12. Um, they're ranked fourth in the NBA's power rankings, according to Bleacher Report. Um, behind the Suns, Warriors, a third place team, uh, and ahead of the Nets. So, uh, I think probably the Bucks in third.
1: Yeah, it's uh, could be the Bulls. Um, Bulls are good. Bulls are fun. Bulls are Bulls are good. Um, now I think I think the Cavs are just, you know. Obviously, it could fizzle out, and I don't want to say this, but, I mean, it feels like the team of destiny, man. Like, this is the bad news bears going out there. The yeah. team that was probably projected for a high lottery pick, and you're going to go out there and be like, "Yeah, we want to compete this year. And everybody counts them out. Hardest strength of schedule. You know, not really more than one or two true scorers. Um, And they're just going out there, and they're having fun, and they're competing like – they they play loose out there. You can tell they're not stressing about anything. They're not like we have to win this game. We have, you know, uh, they're just going out there. They're having fun. They're playing some ball and they're winning games. I mean, it's it's awesome to watch. Um, and I don't think you can discount the the veteran leadership brought by by K Love. Is it worth forty million? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but he he's got that leadership. I mean, he's been there before. He's got a ring, um, and. Ricky Rubio too. I think that was a good pickup. Um, right. Yeah. He kind of ties it all together. And then we saw that game against the, what was it against the Knicks? He put, put up like 38 or something yeah. in the garden. So when you uh, need to
0: lean on these veterans, you can, um, mm-hmm. but They're yeah, reliable. I'm happy to see Kevin Love taking the role that he's given. Uh, same with Ricky Rubio. Um, especially given that Kevin Love last year had some qualms about his status on the team position on the team going into the season being told that it'll be a bench rotation, a uh, leadership position, I think voted well for him um, knowing that he's not in a position to compete for a starting spot. Um, he's been a great lift off the bench uh, and a good, a good veteran leader in the locker room. I would have to imagine. So it's fun to watch this Cavs team. Uh, they're winning by over, like they're, they're, their margin of victory in their six or seven game win streak, whatever it is, is like over twenty points.
1: Yeah, um, it's, it's it's been crazy. The third.
0: and their the teams. Bucks
1: were missing their whole starting five. I mean, but... that's an
0: outlier, but um, they're beating teams by over twenty and holding them under ninety-five points yeah. in an NBA game. Um, and if the the Cavs are scoring low one hundreds to mid one hundreds, that wouldn't normally be good enough for 19 and 12 at least not in today's not by today's nba standards
1: but no but if you can play that defense you can you can put yourself in just about any game i remember i was at work one night and um i saw the halftime score of a game that was like 81 to to like 49 or to 51 <laughs> yeah, they're, or whatever or, or 83 to 51. Yeah,
0: yeah. in the Kings it was like 84 to 50 something. is was the tied for the most points the Cavs had scored in the first half. 84. That's more than some teams have scored in an entire game this year. Um so
1: that's that's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, they just they're they're fun. Uh <laughs> they're very fun this year and Going into the year, I'm not going to lie, my expectations were were not the highest. Oh, no, I've mine were low Um <laughs> But it's, it's been refreshing. I mean, through the first five or so games, you could kind of tell there was something about the team. Did I really think they'd be competitive? Probably not. I just knew that, you know, I turned on a game and I enjoyed it, which was a far cry from my last couple of years. Yeah, um, for sure. So I was like, okay, well, the, the, the groundwork is set, um, but I guess it's more than the groundwork right now. So, Yeah. yeah
0: no, I, I agree. And, and this Cavs team is, is, is a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited to see how, the, how far they go. I don't know if they are built for uh, a playoff round, just given their um, starting size lineup, uh, if teams can match up well. Uh, I think it might be a little bit difficult, but they far exceeded their expectations, and I'm happy about that. So,
1: I gotta say, yep, that about sums it up.
0: <laughs> so, anything else you notice before we send them off about what? anything the,
1: going on this week? The lockout's still happening. Huh.
0: So, yes, we don't have any baseball news to talk about because baseball is not a sport at the moment,
1: the owners. Still, almost refused to negotiate. It seems like, um, so it's not not going too hot from what I hear, uh, but it's it's going nonetheless. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully, we can have a season. Right, right. Cheer on those boys in Cleveland. Whatever, <laughs> what whatever double <have> A <laughs> bats are playing in the outfield, but <laughs> <laughs> whoever they have. Whatever yeah. the ninth pitcher in the rotation is, because you know he'll get some time. Eli
0: Morgan coming into this year as the number three guy. <laughs>
1: nah, not I hope not. L- long relief.
0: Yeah, that that'd be Maybe. a fine role. I'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah, like the the Adam Plutko role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have anything else. I don't know if you do, but all right, that's, neither that's do about I. Not it for me. Uh,
0: Christmas is coming up, so um, as always. I am Isaac. And I'm Will. We'll catch you next time. Peace.
1: Peace.